You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm Terry Goodlad. Today I've got uh, James Johnson with me, uh, a very good buddy of mine. Uh, a guy is also a fellow artist. I call myself an artist. I, most people, I guess I'm just a photographer, right? But uh, we just had breakfast and we were talking about the art of what we do. Great conversation. Yeah, you're a songwriter, a musician songwriter, and yes. I'm a photographer. But there are a lot of similarities, right? And we Many had Carmen Gray there with us, and yes. she's a great painter. Yes. And, uh, and there's a lot, a lot of similarities between the three. Art is art is art is art. Yeah. Now, James, uh, just to give some background, James is a firefighter with the uh, Las Vegas Fire Department. Correct. 15 years, firefighter paramedic. Uh, you and I think three other people are, you're a native of Las Vegas. You were born and raised here? Born and raised. There's 51 not, you years. That's, you don't find many people that are actually born and raised here. No, no, not many. It's, no. it's, it's becoming rare. 51 years. 51 years ago, what did Vegas look like? It looked like a desert <laughs> and more desert. Yeah. There wasn't much here. It's changed a lot, though. And, and two rocks. And two rocks. <laughs> now, you, uh, when you grew up, was it, what was it like to experience? Because that boom happened in basically the last 25 years. What was it like being here during that time? Uh, it, was, it was not... I don't really remember... Um, being concerned about the boom as a kid, just just I was concerned about my happy childhood. Oh yeah, riding bikes, uh, Kool Aid in my thermos that I used to hydrate myself when I was riding, you know, ten speeds with friends. Right. So I didn't pay attention to the boom, and I guess until uh, I got into real estate investing, you yeah. know, years ago. So it was interesting to see. More. You were done with Kool Aid and ten speeds at that point. Uh, pro- not done with. Kool-Aid. Or did you start the early? ten speeds? Yes, I, I wasn't done with Kool Aid though. <laughs> Still a favorite. My favorite flavor is red Kool Aid. As a matter of fact, dude, I haven't had Kool Aid for so long. Yeah, it's because there's so much. I mean, basically, Kool Aid was sugar, right? Just it, sugar. it was ninety nine percent sugar and and one percent water. The red package. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're a father of four, 51 years old. You've been doing music, uh, and we talked about this. You've been doing that most of your life, right? Um, my mother brought me a guitar when I was 16 uh, for my 16th birthday. I didn't know yeah. how to play. It came with a record that showed you how to tune and, like, this little songbook where you could play songs like Row, Row, Row Your Boat and, you know, Michael, Row the Boat Ashore and all that, but I didn't know what I was doing. So kind of put it away, then discovered that it was a love of mine. Yeah. So between lessons and, and figuring things out on my own, you know, I kind of took a liking to it. Yeah. So you've been at it since then pretty steady? Yes. Now, I've only heard a couple things that you've done. I haven't heard much. Okay. What, talk about your music. What's your, what's your greatest inspiration? What's, what kind, what's your genre? What's your favorite type of music to do? Uh, I, I would say my, what I like is kind of eclectic. Um, I even like a little country and western, the modern country and western. Do you write country and western? I don't write country and western, but I can appreciate the lyrics. (laughs) Um, I like rock, rap, everything. My mother was very interesting. I think she gave me my musical palette because she would play Charlie Pride. She would play Beethoven. You know, she would play Earth, Wind, and Fire, just everything, you know. Uh, Same with my father on Friday nights, you know, he would put on his records and he would teach us the latest dances, you know, like the hustle and the bump. And yeah, I just, I just really found my love for music through them. 
So this was in the seventies, right? That's when you grew up. Uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah. I cover, yeah, quite do you, a Do you range. go back and listen to any of that music now? Do you still appreciate it? If you look at my Pandora song list, yeah. Yeah, it's all representative of how I grew up and with some modern things in there also. I'm more into uh, stuff, I think, you know, 80s and beyond. The 70s, I just never... 70s were such a turbulent time yeah. in the country. And I was always, a, you know, I was a farm kid, so I was terrified of hippies, right? So yeah. they just couldn't do the, you know, the 60s stuff I liked. But 70s was just a bit too much for me. But there's still, like, when I hear some of those songs now... Right, right. I, I that like, whole Vietnam War era right. was great stuff, you know? See, I like some of the late 70s, early 80s, like the Donna Summer, who I thought I would marry one day, you know, like Donna Summer and things <laughs> of the sort. So. Didn't we all? Yeah, I didn't realize I had competition. <laughs> no, but uh, now with the stuff that you do, the stuff that you do, what what do you like doing? Well, you know what I would call my style life, and I just thought about that today. So I'd describe that as happiness, sadness, up and down, left and right, joy, pain, all of the above. So it doesn't fit into a box, really? I know. Just like life, it doesn't fit into a box. Okay. Now, you perform, you're not in a band. No, I'm not in a band, but I've, I've played a couple of, uh, I played at a particular bar and grill last summer just to kind of get out of my box. Uh, last year, I, I played a song by Prince called Little Red Corvette. It didn't go good, but my purpose, it didn't go the way, exactly the way I wanted it, but my purpose was to kind of get out of my bedroom. Yeah. But it was a great experience. Yeah. Now, did you sing it? I, I, yes, I did, but I had a friend of mine who helped me sing, um, and he's a far better singer than I am, so it was kind of nice to let him. Well, I'm thinking if I was going to pick a song and I've got this, this deep voice that you have, I don't think I'd pick anything by Prince, would you? Yes, sometimes your taste can take you down roads that you shouldn't go down, but hey, that's the way it is. <laughs> so would you do, do you, do you enjoy doing live stuff or would, or would you do it again? I would definitely do it again. I got a chance to uh, perform something that I wrote at a firefighter bachelor auction uh, on June 3rd, and it was probably one of the best musical moments of my life. I really oh, enjoyed cool. it. Yes, yeah, something that I wrote. Um, and it was the best that I played, uh, the best pitch that I found my voice in, and just I wasn't nervous at all, so it really flowed. I enjoyed it. Now, I think every kid, you know, when you know, you play the air guitar, I did. You know, yes. I played drums when I was in high school. Yeah, I still play the broom when I'm coming <laughs> up. Yeah, I still play the broom. <laughs> but uh, I always envisioned myself, you know, being on that stage and thousands and thousands of screaming, crazed women. And, you know, at that time, little kids, or young, young women. Of course. Uh, not little kids. But uh, a lot of the work really doesn't happen on stage, right? A lot of it is... No, the on stage is where you get to have all of the fun. Some of the work quote-unquote, is the concept, uh, getting it out of your heart and mind and into uh, a form that listeners can hear and understand. Um, and also with that, it's kind of a torment thing because you can be your own worst critic, you know, by getting in the way of the creative process, you know, where you can become a little bit too judgmental. But in the room is is where a lot of the work happens. So how much time do you spend from when you conceive a song, write it, perform it, perfect it, and then record it? How long does that process take? It could be anywhere from 10 minutes to days. Really? It could be months. I, I've had 
material where I've had the lyric concept and the music didn't meet up with it until maybe a year or two later. It's just the way it is because I'm learning to, they're like children sometimes. Uh, you have to just raise them, but they, you have to let them, let them be who they are. Right. Do you, um, do you prefer the singing or do you do instrumental stuff? What do you prefer to do? Uh, like, I guess, I guess, let me back up. Let me ask this question this way. Okay. When you're writing a song, where does it start from? Where does it come from? It comes from various places. It could come, you could lay down a drum track first, a keyboard idea, a bass line idea, keys jingling. Um, you could look at a piece of art, conversation, uh, something that you see in your day-to-day -day life. So various forms. I try not to get locked into where the idea comes from because that's part of the creative process, the being unrestricted, learning that more and more every day to not fight with the art. Talked about this uh, at breakfast. We had breakfast before this podcast, but <clears throat> um, we talked about a, a book that Stephen uh, King had written yes. uh, called On Writing, and, and uh, he talks about his motivations, and essentially he says that uh, every fiction writer... Uh, you know, writes uh, to some degree about themselves or their Definitely. experiences in life. Uh, music, I think, I think fiction writers work to hide that fact, but I think songwriters, uh, I, th I think, try to promote that that is part of their lives, whether it is or not. Do you, what, what would your comments be on that? I'd, I'd have to agree with that because um, I think songwriting is the truth exaggerated. You know, there's a lot oh, of uh, artistic liberty in that. Um, you may write about being just this ultimate man who cooks every day, who cleans every day, you know, mm -hmm. does everything top to bottom, but you may not necessarily be that. Right. But it sounds really good. But I'll tell you something. I met this girl. It was, she was a girl that modeled for me many years ago. And uh, she was a, a Latin girl from Miami <clears throat> and sang... Incredibly, I just you know it was. She just did this acapella thing right there uh, while we were on set. Very happy to sing, and she mm -hmm. she belted this song out, and it, it, I felt emotion. It was just such a powerful, powerful song, right? And at the end of it, I asked her, you know, started quizzing her about it, and she's like, no, she didn't feel anything for the song. She was just singing the song. It was just a song that didn't really appeal to her. There's no backstory to it. It was just a song, okay. and I was so deflated. Yes, <laughs> I really wanted it to be to have some other meaning, you know yeah. what I mean? Some deeper meaning, or at least be tied to a story or something like that. And I don't think, I, I, like, I, I think that's part of music, is, is that tormented songwriter or, Indeed. Indeed. you know, how much of that is in your work? Is that something you focus on doing? Or is, it, or is that just, you know, is that, is that my wish list as a fan? Or is that really what happens? It, it, because of life, you can tie into those things sometimes. Um, but a better tie-in is if you actually feel that emotion. Like, case in point, blues players, they've been through that thing that they're singing about. Right. So it comes out sincere and from the heart. I, I would like to believe that. That's what I've believed. Is that always the case? I guess I can only ask for you. Is I, I that guess the it, case for you? Yes. Sometimes you run away from it because it's a lot of truth comes out, and, and songwriting can be a mirror and you may not like what that mirror reflects. Right. But sometimes those are your best ideas. You know, like I said, mentioned before, the joy and the pain, the happiness, the sadness, laughter and joy. I mean, that's, songs are basically emotion. 
So think about that song that you can't get out of your mind. It either made you happy or it made you sad, but you don't forget it either way. Mm -hmm. uh, Ring Around the Rosies from being kids, we remember that because that, that's associated with joy. Um, even though it says ashes, ashes, we all fall down, you know, which makes you think about death, mm -hmm. but it's still associated with some sort of emotion. Right. Actually, I guess I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. I've never actually thought about the lyrics. I've sang them a million times as a kid, but uh, never really thought about the lyrics. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. What What have you got? You've got you're working on an album now, right? Yeah, we, I, do you still call it an album? What do we call it now? I, I think that's yeah, because it's kind of hard to say. Hey, I'm working on a CD because that sounds like you broke your CD in half and you're trying <laughs> to glue it back together. So I think album is a more appropriate word. Uh, when I turned fifty, I, I met a. I met a really good friend of mine, uh, Larry Little is his name. He, he's a friend who is my music instructor also. And I come to find out that he was a life coach, so that kind of bleeds over into our music lessons. Cool. Fantastic guy. Uh, he's like, like family to me. Uh, so that motivated me to work on my first album. Now, I started this process at 50 years old, um, and I'm 51 now, as you mentioned earlier. But in getting better as you go, you kind of throw songs out, you pull songs back in. Um, so I'm in that process right now. And also just improving on musicianship, vocal skills. So it's a process. Yeah. But it is such a joy just to be in a position to be able to do that. Do you have to put a deadline on something like that or is it just organic? I'm trying to have this completed by the end of the year. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to have this all completed by the end no, of, of not, the year. No, you're not on a label contract or anything no, like that. No, this not is at something all. you're doing on no, your No, I'm just in the process of creating product. Right. Okay. Now, when you're done with this, what's the what's the process after that? Now it's my Canadian coming out. What's the process? Uh, the process is after use, that. using the blessed gift of social media. Yeah. Um, fortunately, a musician in this day and age, you don't have to have the big record label behind you to do those things that you can do in your in the comfort of your and, and that's something I wanted to, yeah that's something Very I wanted to talk about is the the business end of it you know music has changed iTunes changed everything Indeed. I think Amazon changed everything Indeed. Um, and and I know you hear the people from the music industry complaining but uh, you're not the only artist that I've talked to that has said that this actually presents a much greater opportunity. Yes, it does. Because, I mean, is, is it not true when you go to a record label, when you're fresh out of the box, you know, nobody's heard of you, you go to a record label, it's like writing a book. It's never going to be a good deal for the creator, for the creative person. True. You know, they're going to really take you to the cleaners, but you really, that's, they have leverage. Yes. Right? Because we can't do anything. Now that changes, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Because you're, you're almost your own vehicle through the social media. Um, Larry had me look up uh, YouTube sensations. And it's just amazing what people are doing and how successful they are. But if they walk down the street, you may never know who they right. are. Just amazing. It's just, it just presents unlimited possibilities. That's you know? very cool. Yeah, and you think, you think of music studio in terms of back in the day where it was this big room and, and the artist is, and the engineer is separated between this big glass wall, you know, where now you're sitting in your bedroom you know, with things like Pro Tools or GarageBand and some of the other really good software, and, and you get a chance to capture your ideas. Now, 
this is something that I had to make the shift when we went from film to digital. Uh, it wasn't about just being a great photographer. You had to be great in post as well. Post meaning retouching photos, color correcting, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, do you feel the same way? I mean, at one time, you were just a musician. You just went into, you recorded, the engineers did everything. But it's not like that anymore, is it? Yeah, yeah Pro Tools has changed the game because you can take your mistakes out, uh -huh. so to speak. Uh, you can almost be your own little engineer, you know, to a certain level of code. Of course, you know, all yeah. the respect to any engineers listening. Um, but just that technology has really changed the landscape of everything. Now, of course, there's that fine balance between correcting your mistakes and not taking away the soul of your work in the process. Right. Also, you know, there's something that I've observed, and I was having made this comment to Anna the other day, and, and uh, I think it's great that. You know, the technology with cameras, everybody's got a camera. If you've got a phone, you yes, have a camera. Yes. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, you've got many, many tools now for post-production, for video and, and still images. And you see everybody shooting pictures now. What you don't see anymore, it's a lot harder to find if you're on Pinterest or on social media, is those old-school, high-quality art pieces. Okay. Uh, and what it is, is like as a photographer, I was starting now, it would be very, very hard to make a living as a photographer because everybody's got a camera and everybody, right. and at the end of the day, you know, we, we only judge our work based on whatever else is out there. And Indeed. so if there are a bunch of pictures that on a scale of one to 10, maybe technically are at a five, um, you know, you don't have to be a great photographer to make yourself look good. Um, back in the day when magazines were printed on high-quality paper and, uh, you know, there wasn't social media. Uh, you had to stand out. Right, and you had to really, really do, you know, the Annie Leibovitzes of the world that, that uh, did these outstanding things. Now you really, I, I think it's affected the quality of the photos. Now, is there a parallel in the music business? Is it, now I see what I see is a lot of people that would never have the opportunity to be out there publicly and, and share their music, now pretty much anybody can. Yes, I, I think I look at it from that perspective that it's opened the door for um, the quote unquote average person to be able to share their art. And I think with that, it's just probably one of the byproducts or side effects you're going to get, you'll get things that are not so good. But I think the good rises above just like anything else. Yeah. Now, do you think then, you think that it's, it's better? Like that, that really the deconstructing of the music business has made things better? I would say, yes, there, there's still quality product, but I, but I think it's like anything. And I remember hearing my parents say, oh, our music was much better than, <laughs> than what's playing now. And I've said that same thing myself. And I think the next generation will say the same thing about their music gotcha. compared to what's present. Yeah. You know, so I think that's kind of an ongoing cycle. So you don't think it's hurt anything? I think, I wouldn't say hurt, but I mean, I think that, look how many times you're driving in the car and you just can't stand to listen to something on the radio, you know, yeah, I don't whatever that personal preference is. So I think there are things out there where you're, you may think, I think it myself like, wow, how did that get on the radio? I feel like my work is better than that. But maybe it's not about that maybe it's an overall thing, you know, with, with the look, whatever that sound is that's happening right now. So it's, it's pretty much what the audience says is in. 
Because basically, uh, and I mean, in, in our time, modern, more modern times, I guess you look at uh, that, the whole Latin, the whole Puerto Rican thing, yes. that whole reggaeton thing that, that started there, that was all underground. Yes. You know, that was, there weren't any labels involved. And, and then the labels that were labels weren't really what we would call labels. It's Correct. just some dudes that are, you know. And so I, I think that some really cool things can come from that. And I think at the end of the day, if you... Can, you, you're going to like the music or you don't like the music. And if you like it, it's good music, right? That's funny. And it's the same thing with pictures. I can look at a picture and be critical right. uh, of the picture, of the, of the technical aspects of the picture. But if somebody likes it just because there's a red wall behind and this other picture doesn't have a red wall, you, you know what I mean? That, that to me doesn't make a better picture because I know what goes into it. Correct. But at the end of the day, I mean, we had this conversation at breakfast. Yes. We were talking about... Yes. Trying to make this really, really complex piece of music doesn't necessarily make it a better song. No, it may not. It may not hit you in the heart. You know, you may. Um, it's it's like conversation, or or if you're trying to figure out some sort of pro- you're trying to solve some sort of problem. The best way is to break it down to its simplest form. Right. And and you get that you gain that understanding. I think sometimes the simple ideas are the best ideas, but I think our intellect sometimes gets in the way we think of simple as a setback or not good enough where um, complex could be overthinking and you lose the spirit of your work but you look a lot of i mean look at country music not a lot of that most of it is just very simple stuff right indeed and look at rap music a lot of that is very simple stuff look look at the popularity right you know, and so I guess it just comes down to what you like. And, indeed, indeed. And that's the cool thing about art. I think when you've been a part of something, uh, like for me, I was part of the whole film thing and then the digital revolution. I saw that take place. And for me, it was great because I didn't have to spend money on film. Right. But now I'm spending money. You know, a camera used to be 2000 bucks, Now it's 6500 bucks. you know. And then there's all the external drives you have to have and the backup systems and Correct. bigger and more powerful computers. And so I go like, okay, I think we were doing better when we were back on film because it was cheaper. You right. know? Uh, now the thing is with digital is, again, if I was shooting film, I'm only going to shoot maybe five or six rolls. If I'm shooting digital, I'll bang off 1,000 or 1,500 images. Yes. You know, because, uh, and then out of there, I'm just going to have more to select from. So I think there's trade-offs at the end of the day. Definitely trade-offs. At the end of the day, I think it's just, art is just evolving. And it's, and the more people you can get, I, I guess I think of this, for every kid out there or person out there that could shoot a picture or write a song, now they can do that. They can do it with an iPhone. They yes. can get a cheap program to to do the minor adjustments to make it look better. And and somebody that really doesn't have an extra ten, twenty thousand to spend on equipment can go out and create some beautiful art and really, really, you know, and, and work their way into something where maybe they're doing more. And it's the same thing with music. If if at fifty years old getting into this, yes, what are your chances of getting signed by a record label at this point? Well, I always or let's say ten years ago. Colonel Sanders became famous in his 70s, if I remember reading, and there are a lot of success stories where that happened. Um, And today, as I mentioned before about social media, the game is so changed that I wonder if if age is even a concern. Um, As my friend Larry brought to my attention, the hot thing could be 50, 51-year-old singer-songwriters, right. and then all the record companies gravitate towards that. Right. So I just, I just kind of have the unlimited mindset. And that's a good point. I mean, really, 
um, you can create change. If, yes. If there's, yes, indeed. If there's now 50, 50 year old guys yes. creating music, now that becomes, and they're proving that the, that the public is, is, will buy that, then now you can change a trend. You can indeed. make things happen. Indeed. Indeed. And you are very confident about your abilities. You don't see, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you really don't see it as a limitation. No, and that was brought to my attention um, because you always think like, okay, what I should be doing this in my 20s, but, but you know, age is just, look at some of the bands that are, uh, like I recently attended a concert, uh, two concerts that I really enjoyed. Um, Foreigner, I think it's Lou Graham from Foreigner former lead singer, former foreigner, and uh, Duran Duran. And man, those guys are still amazing. Absolutely amazing. So it's, I look at that and go, wow, look at how healthy these guys look. They sound just like they did when I was first introduced to them. And again, just looking at that and and that gives me that unlimited mindset. Yeah. I'm excited for you, man. I mean, yeah, I appreciate I, that. I think it's, I think it's really cool. So, have you, have you got a firm date? Are you setting a deadline for yourself? A firm deadline, or is this a, a kind of deadline? I'm, I'm gonna say the end of the year because it's a learning process, and the more that I learn, it, it takes away that, it, it brings that date closer. Fortunately, so I'm just kind of riding that wave. How many songs have you got done? I have, I have. Seven that I like, but I also had <laughs> ten that I liked <laughs> four months ago. And now we I, had this conversation where you have a problem. You said with not knowing when to stop. Sometimes, yes. Talk about that. Yes, songs are like I've I've learned that songs are like when when they want to be left alone, they want to be left alone. Um, day before yesterday, I came up with an idea that took me all of five minutes, and it's almost complete. For that session, that was enough. And I had to tell myself, okay, that's it. I wasn't going to try to write a new song. I wasn't going to try to add to the song that I made that day. Um, so they're what they want to be. And if you force them, that's when you start kind of crippling them and, and they lose that spirit that you intentionally, that they wanted to have. Right. So they are what they are. I've done that with stories that I've written. Indeed. Where you start going, oh, this needs to be a little more clear it's too ambiguous yes. or this needs to be flushed and you end up like ugh, at the end you just like ugh, yeah you just go back to where i started because it was better yeah you start being so smart that you end up dumbing your idea so for you how much of this is just organic you know we again going back to stephen king's book okay. he talks about in there he talks about the difference between having working from a plot which he says absolutely don't do in any uncertain terms which is of course is contrary to what the writing world says and, uh, and he says, you just work out of a situation. Um, and so that's a very, and he says, just organic. Like he okay. doesn't flesh out his characters. He's, he's, he's living the life of that character in his head. Yes. And so there's just a natural progression of things that work rather than trying to shoehorn events and, and reactions and things into a particular formula. You yes. know, he doesn't like doing that. How is your music? How do you approach your music? Well, a lot of times, if you, if you lay down a particular drum track or bass line or both, um, I've been taught to let the song tell you what it what the lyrics should state. Now, also, as I mentioned before, I may have lyrics that were pre-existing. If they fit, then I'll let them. Then I'll let them marry each other. If they don't, um, I'm learning not to force that. So the song really dictates what it should be 
again, using the, the child analogy, you know, they have their own personalities. Um, I have four children. They each have their individual personalities. I can't make one like the other. Right. I can't raise one just like I raise the other. Now, there are some basic things that I do, yes. Like with songwriting, there's certain structures like, you know, two, a verse, one or two verses, then the chorus, then the, another verse, then the change or bridge, and then, you know, a last verse. So you do fit, there is a framework, so to speak, but you have to operate in, you have to place your creative, uh, your creative views or, or process within that framework. Even though when you're in a framework, it, now, let's talk about the framework, just back okay. up. Why does the framework exist? There have been hits where there's there there are no rhyme or scheme to them where there's just there may not be a chorus in the song, but normally that's that's weird to the listener. And so you really want to give them something that is vaguely familiar. At yes. least they they understand what it is. Yeah, the listener wants to go. Hey, okay, you set up the story. Okay, where's my chorus at to give me something else? All right, let's get back to the. Story what line. you started with, let's get back to the storyline. Okay, change up for me a little bit. Okay, and give me a nice little beat to dance to when I'm at the club. So, okay, here we go. Cool. You know, so you kind of have to realize those things are very important. Yeah, what the listener, what the listener thinks is, is quite important. Right. I mean, it's the same thing, again, we talked at the beginning about parallels. Parallels in painting for Carmen, yes. our friend Carmen, and, uh, and parallels in photography and uh, to music and yes. photography and writing and, and music and writing music and uh, and that there is a certain flow definitely to everything that flow. people are accustomed to so you have to work within that framework yes, to some do. degree yes you do yeah yes, it's you really, do. really cool it, it, what fascinates me is uh, sitting and talking with you uh, seeing the, the 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 common there's so much common ground even though what we're doing is very very different yes there's so much common uh, going on between uh, like the thought process of yes. creating music uh, and creating images or, or writing words your, or, or even painting. Your guitar is your paintbrush. My paintbrush is my guitar. Right. Or your camera my, is my, the a guitar for me. The light I use is, is my paintbrush when I'm doing photography. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Like um, I've learned that a musician is a musician is a musician, is a musician. He's just decided to express himself with a bass guitar, keyboards, drums, or what have you. Now, there are musicians that don't write. They're just technically sound musicians. Are you that guy or are you a songwriter? No, I'm more, I'm more on the songwriting side. I thought about that before, like maybe I, I will take the path of being like the studio musician. Because, yeah. I mean, those guys, those are the guys that play the music on some of the... Um, some of the uh, reality music shows, you know, I mean, and those guys are just solid. Right. You know, you hear them on albums that you don't realize, but yeah, those guys have a, a definite craftsmanship. Right. But my attraction has always been the songwriting side, so that's that's been my focus. So do you work, what do you work the most at? I like... Do you ever reach a point, here's a question, do you ever reach a point where what you want to write, you can't create the music for? Indeed. Really? Indeed. And that is the, I don't know if that's a knowledge thing where I'm limited in what I know until I get to what I know, or if it's just me fighting with my subconscious that just wants to flow these things out and being too 
smart, as we mentioned before. Would you ever sell that to another musician? Would I ever sell another a, performer, a song that you wrote? Oh, definitely. Actually, that is that is. I wouldn't mind being that guy that can go into Seven Eleven and get a Slurpee, and you would never know who I was. But I'm a very successful songwriter. Really? Yes, I would love that. Now that process, then, is it is it something where you put your own stuff out there first and then make those contacts, or how does that work? How do you break into that? I think I, I've read where a lot of famous artists, if you will were writing for um, record companies and decided to put their own work out. Okay. So yeah, it could happen that way or just being an independent artist. Just so unlimited. This is fascinating, man. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, art is just, it's just amazing. So now if somebody wants to follow you, James, where do we find you? Uh, I'm in the process of building the website, you know, so they <laughs> yeah. wouldn't be able to find me now. But I you're have, on Facebook, right? I am definitely on Facebook. Yeah, James Johnson Sr., I'm on Facebook. Okay, and I'll put a link uh, to this show so okay. that anybody that wants to check you out can. Fantastic. Now, so, when, when can we hear some of your stuff? You know what? I don't even want to give you a time on that, but we'll 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 give it. It'll be before the year's up, just to not pressure myself. I can't just, even get like a little preview thing. No, not even like Dude. a little preview thing. Dude. But it, it, it's definitely going to be good because yeah. I have such a a vast music musical palette, as I mentioned earlier, that it's it's going to be some. It's going to be really good stuff. Right. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. I'm going to try to get that sneak preview. Sounds good. You'll be the first. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been my friend James Johnson, James Johnson Sr. Yes, indeed. And uh, you can find James on Facebook at James Johnson Sr. Uh, just look him up there and, and, uh, and friend him and say hi to him. So, tell him you heard about it from uh, watching, listening to the show. Please friend me. And you're going, to have, uh, you're going to have an album out. The end of the year. The end of the year. Yes. Thanks indeed. a lot, James. It's always a pleasure visiting with you, man.